Most of you know I'm not a computer savvy. I don't have a laptop. I just have an old-fashioned notebook. It has a picture of my wife and I on it. Sometimes it's got my grandchildren, depending on which notebook I'm using. I've got a just a regular old Bible here. I've got I've worn I worn them. I wear them out, and then I wear them out more. Beyond that, and uh, but my grandchildren. I mean, my children and grandchildren are always trying to get me modernized, so they buy me new electronic stuff. Well, I don't know how to use it, and I don't use. It, but anyhow, around Christmas time, somebody bought me a. Uh, I think it's uh, Alexa, Alexa machine put in the house. Some of you may be familiar with it. But anyhow, you, they get it all rigged up, and you say, Alexa, do this or that, and you can ask her questions. It's a woman's voice that comes on. It's a little box that sits on the counter up there. And uh, so anyhow, they got it rigged up where I can cut lights on and off in the house. And go, they're going to say, Alexa, turn off the living room lights. She turns it off. Turn, Alexa, turn on. You always say Alexa first, you know. So this has been going on for about three months since Christmas time. I've got a couple of one in my office, and I think the only time I had to change the name on that one because if I said that name there, the other one out there would be talking, you know. So I had to change her name to Echo, they said. So I used one for Echo, one for Alexa. And so and about all I use it for is what's the weather report today, you know, and stuff like that. Well, anyhow, that one that's in the living room or the family room area there, uh, I'd say, Alexa, when I was getting ready to go to bed, I'd say, Alexa, turn off such, such a lamp or turn off such, such a light as, well as, as I left the area. And she'd say, okay, blank, the light goes off. Well, so the other day, <laughs> the other day, I said to Alexa, Alexa, turn on the lamp. She says, okay, can I and then I thought I'd do something a little different. I said, Alexa, thank you. And then she says, you're welcome. We'll talk more tomorrow. <laughs> I thought, what? What? <laughs> I mean, this is like somebody in my house talk. My God, what's she, what she hearing, you know? <laughs> so anyhow, I'm, I'm finding out this stuff just sort of, sort of rocks me, you know, on my ear, you know. So... Uh, so anyhow, I'm, uh, I'm learning a little bit about electronics. And what I am learning, too, more so, is that it is re- really getting ears and eyes of people who are in or high places into our homes more than, you, than we realize. I got a Kippen's report not long ago. This is not my subject, incidentally. I'm just talking off the cuff here today. But uh, in the, uh, there's people in, high, in, these, in this Kippen's report that were saying, that there is there is a move that's going into these areas, and that there's connections into our private life that we know we don't know all all of what's going on. And uh, so I'm just telling you that because, folks, we are coming close to the end time. Uh, along the way here in our studies, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some things that's developing, and some things developing in China, some things developing in India. It's not here yet. Some things are developing in Europe, and uh, it's coming our way as well. And it's an invasion into our privacy so that people know what you believe. They know, you know, people in the, in the right or high places. And there's a lot of things going on that we don't know about that's behind the scenes. So I'm just saying here today, walk with God, serve the Lord, be faithful to God. Because everything in this book here is going to be exactly as the Lord said. He said, not one jot or tittle shall pass away 
that all my words shall be fulfilled. And so you can count on it and believe in it. Now, today I'm going to pick up where I left off last week. And we're in a little mini-series right now called The Coming of Christ. And this one is the first time, The Coming of Christ, the first time. Eventually we'll talk about his, him coming back again. But this is a, about him coming the first time. And we talked to you about how that God revealed himself unto Moses and gave his name as being the I am. And uh, I'm going to go a little bit further with that today. But he told Moses, he said, my name is I am. And when he says it in the first person, it could not be pronounced in the Hebrew language. It could not be pronounced in the second person. And uh, so when Moses went to tell the elders of Israel, this is his name, he couldn't say it. He had to write it down. Because if he said it, he'd have to say it in the third person. To give you, to give you a little uh, insight into what that would mean, it would like be saying I am. And if, we are, if I were talking about him, I'd have to say he is. You see what I'm saying? So he is is different than I am. But in the Hebrew language, it's more complicated than that. Uh, they could not even pronounce it in the third person because it was four letters that could not be pronounced uh, except it was pronounced in the first person. And we call the JHVH or the, or the Tetragamation. I explained all that last week. This is still very sacred to the Jewish people. And uh, the JHVH. And uh, so we talked to you about how that they put uh, over the years and many centuries, finally in the 13th century, they put vowels in between the consonants, those four consonants, uh, J-H-V-H or Y-H-W-H, depending on what language it comes through and what letters they use for those four four letters. And they come up with the word Jehovah, J-E-H-O-V-A-H. And so that's how the word Jehovah, 13th century, the word Jehovah came along. And uh, Wycliffe, when Wycliffe was translating the English Bible, uh, into uh, into English uh, from the Latin and other languages that he had access to. So I'm just telling you all of this so that you'll understand how all these things develop. We talked about how the, uh, the Jews also recognizing that God's name was so sacred, perhaps he did not want it to be used as, you know, in, in that JHVH just written down only. So they learned to use the word Lord to be able to pronounce it. They use the word Adonai is the word Lord in Hebrew, Adonai. And so the word Adonai was all capital letters would refer to the name of God when it was used in the scripture. So when you see all capital letters uh, in the the Old Testament, you always see it in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it's referring to where God's name was written there, I am. So you don't see the word I am in the the Bible, in the Old Testament, but you see uh, Lord, L-O-R-D, all capital letters. And then if it's addressed to the Lord and it's, it's Adonai, this act, the actual word Adonai, the Latin word, then it would be a capital L, but it's addressed to God. And if it's just the word Lord, meaning a landlord or somebody like that, it would be a small L-O-R-D, all letters, all small. And we talked to you about that last week and so forth. And how that when Jesus Christ came, uh, he came saying that he was the Lord God of the Old Testament. I'm going to talk to you more about that this morning. Uh, but the Jews wanted him to come as the Messiah who would overthrow the Roman Empire, that would cast it off, that would give them their back their freedom as the Old Testament nation they were. But Jesus came to save them not from the Roman Empire, but from their sins. And as far as they were concerned, they had no sins. They said, we are of Abraham. We're the children of Abraham. They did not see themselves as sinners. They saw themselves as God's people on the earth 
that had just become, that had come under suppression and so forth. And they wanted their Messiah to be the Messiah they wanted him to be. And Jesus did not come. He came to be what God wanted him to be. Praise the Lord. So Jesus Christ came as the Messiah. And of course, the scripture that we use, I'm going to read that one again to you here. This is the one that's mentioned here in Matthew 121. And this is where the angel appeared unto Joseph and, uh, and unto Mary and everything. And the angel is explaining to Joseph here that Mary is going to have a child and she has been conceived of the Holy Ghost. It's of God. The child is, that's in her is of God. And she shall bring forth a son, speaking of Jesus here now, about, of Mary rather, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And he was going to be the savior of Israel from their sins, not from the Roman Empire. And this was what was carried off. And they resented the, the apostles or the disciples ever saying, that they needed to repent of their sins and to be saved. They, re they resented that. And whenever uh, Peter said on the day of Pentecost, the first thing he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, for the remission of sins, to have your sins remitted. That was what it was all about. That was what the coming of Christ was all about. That's the message that was to the Jews the very first day of Pentecost. And so repentance is there. We have to repent of our sins. Before we get anywhere with God, we have to repent. We have to repent. So repentance was required and that the Lord would be our savior. Praise the Lord from our sins, not from the Roman empire. And uh, so anyhow, the Jews crossed up with Christ as the Messiah. And we uh, talked to you a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit further, go a little bit further here today, because when Jesus came, not only did he cross up with his Jewish generation, when I say the generation, it was mostly the leaders of that generation in the days of Christ. When Jesus came, he crossed up with them big time, not only because they wanted him to come to conquer the Roman Empire and not, don't even talk about sins. We're not interested in that. Uh, not only did they cross up with him on that, but they crossed up with him because he claimed himself to be the I am. Now, I'm going to give you some scriptures on that today. And these are pretty strong scriptures. I don't want you to forget it. Write them down or whatever. But I'm going to put this little chart on the, uh, this little uh, paper here for you to see this. And uh, let's see here. We need, we need a vision over here. Can I have this? I guess I got it on that side. Let's see. I'm turned around. Can you guys switch this? I got it over here and I have to turn back this way to see it. You can't. Let me know if you can or can't. Anyhow, let me uh, get this bigger. Oh, thank you. Are we there? Okay, we don't have nothing now, do we? All right, let me wait till they bring this up. Give, give us something up there, guys. It's going to be over here, huh? All right. Back over here. All right, Jesus is claimed to be Jehovah. And if you have your Bibles there, I want you to turn with us to John 8, uh, 58 there, if you would. And I want to talk to you here a little bit about uh, Jesus claiming himself to be Jehovah. Because in these scriptures here, 
And if you will turn to that chapter, I'm going to show you some verses here in the Bible. Uh, John 8, 58. Start with verse 56. Start at verse 56. John 8, 56. Look at this verse very much. Now, look at this closely. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, scribes, uh, different ones here. And here's what he says. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. He's talking about himself being the Messiah. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet 50 years old. Jesus was about 30. He was between 30 and 33 years old at this point. But he uh, said, You're not yet 50 years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? Look at verse 53. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. You notice that? He didn't say before Abraham was, I was. And that would have been sufficient. That had been making him God. But he said before Abraham was, I am. And when he said I am, he was identifying himself and he was using the very words in the first person when which God told Abraham, uh, told Moses, I am. I am, the, I am that I am. I am he and so forth. So Jesus said here, I am. Look at verse 59. Then took they up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. And the reason they picked up stones was they were going to stone him to death because he had made himself to be God. I'll show you some more scripture on that in just a moment. But I'm just showing you here that Jesus identified himself as God Almighty in the Old Testament. Praise the Lord. And so if you go to John 10, this is chapter 8 that we're in. If you go to 10 and uh, look in verse 30 there. Verse 30, 10, 30. I and my father are one. Jesus said that. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many works have I done, showed you from my father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. And absolutely that was true. Jesus was claiming to be God Almighty. The truth about it, he was not a man making himself God. He was God who had made himself man. And he was on this earth in that fashion. And so in doing all of those things... Uh, he identified himself, of course, as being that wonderful God and Savior. Now, if you look in the 37th verse, if you'll notice 38 and 39, I'm going to start in 37. He says here, this is that same chapter. If I do not the works of my father, believe me not. But if I do, and he did, if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. I'm in the Father and the Father in me. The Father is in him by the Spirit being in Christ and he is in the Father by him being in God because God is everywhere and is in him. And the Bible says in one place, just as I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, so I'm in you and you in me. This is what he told his disciples later on. And he is in us by the Holy Spirit. And we are in him in baptism. We're baptized in his name. Then we're baptized into Christ. And I'll give you some more verses here about being in Christ here in a few minutes. 
But it's very important that we be in Christ and him be in us. Praise the Lord. Folks, be baptized in Jesus' name. Repent of your sin. Be baptized in his name. Have him be in him. And then receive his spirit and have his spirit in us. And that's how the Lord is inside of us. And if we are, we'll be ready for the coming of the Lord when he comes back. Or ready to go to heaven if we go before he comes back. Which is what's happened in the last 2,000 years. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to move on here and show you some scriptures here concerning this. Uh, look at John 14, 6. And this is a powerful verse of scripture. John 14, 6. This is a continuation of the same thought. Praise God. I don't have it up there, but I'm going to have you read. This is, uh, this is not on the board, but I'm going to read one in 1345. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. That's another verse that Jesus said. He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. So Jesus was letting him them know all along the way that he was indeed the Messiah. And that it was indeed. Now I'm going to 14.6. And this is a verse of scripture that I want to read to you. Look very closely at this. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm going to come back to that verse in a few moments. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also, and from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Boy, that's powerful. This is powerful. And Jesus saith, and Philip saith, verse 8, saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us, or it'll satisfy us. Just show us the Father. But Jesus just got through saying, you know him and have seen him from henceforth on. Now, remember, there's no Sadducees, no Pharisees, nobody around, just Jesus and his disciples here. And he's disclosing more of himself to them. And so he, the, he says in the ninth verse, Jesus answered, said unto him, have I been so long time uh, with you? This is talking to Philip now. Have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then show us the Father? Now Jesus is revealing to them without question who he is. Now somebody, you ask the question, was Jesus the Son of God? Yes, he was the Son of God in that uh, Mary was overshadowed with the Holy Ghost. She conceived of the Holy Ghost. And that that was born in her was of the Holy Ghost. But also that Holy Ghost, or God's Spirit of God, was in Christ, not in measure. The Bible says the Spirit was not given unto him in measure. It's given unto you and I in measure. You have the Holy Ghost. You have the Holy Ghost. We all, you know, all of us have the Holy Ghost. I have the Holy Ghost. We all have the Holy Ghost in measure. Jesus had all the Holy Ghost. The fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in him. Praise the Lord. God is a Spirit. God is a Spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And Jesus, God said in one place, a body thou hast prepared for me. Speaking of Mary, a body thou hast prepared. And David, which Mary came through David, a body thou hast prepared for me. So that when Jesus came on the earth, he was the son of God. Yes. But he was also God almighty. That's why that as a man, he suffered. As a man, he hungered. As a man, he ate. As a man, he wept. Everything that... A man or human experiences, Jesus experienced those things in the flesh. But as Almighty God, he healed the sick, he opened the blinded eyes, he raised the dead, he made the lame to walk, and he raised himself from the dead on the resurrection. As a man, he died on the cross. That one, that's another, 
He died, he suffered, he bled, and he died. So I'm just pointing out to you here that Jesus was all of that. So these scriptures that I'm talking to you here is where Jesus was revealing to Philip now and to the other disciples that he was God Almighty in the flesh. So I'm going to read that ninth verse to you again here. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Now says, Thou showest the Father. Verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. If you can't believe me that the Father is in me and I'm in the Father, then just understand that the works that I'm doing is of God. And that there, and it has to be of God because of all that he has done. Feeding 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread and, and some fish, a little piece of the fish. and all. Feeding 5,000 people one time. Another time he fed 4,000 people, men, without the women and children. The Bible says he fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. And then later he fed 4,000 men besides women and children. Because it was the men mostly that followed him, but women also were involved. So anyhow, these miracles, these were just miracles that he did, plus all the healings and the, uh, the open blinding eyes and the lame walking and uh, raising the dead and all the things that he did. And he said, if you can't believe me uh, for what I'm telling you about what I'm saying, believe me by what I am doing. Praise the Lord that I am who I say that I am. Praise God. So the Lord identifies himself in this fashion. Look at John 18, 3. This is one more verse that I will refer to here where Jesus uh, claimed himself to be the Messiah. Uh, 18, 3. Judas, now look at this closely. I'm going to point out something to you here. I, uh, what, a friend of mine pointed this out to me one time. I never noticed it until he did it. And look at this very closely here. I'm going to pass it along to you. Chapter 18, verse 3, this is when Judas and his entourage of uh, priests, uh, guards and all, came to capture Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it says, Judas, verse 3, then having, perceived, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. They were going to take Jesus now. Look at all the paraphernalia they had to capture him with. Verse 4, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, this is to that entourage of people that had come out to capture him and Judas. And he went out to them, whom seek ye? Verse 4, the end of verse 4. We got it over there. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, I am he. Now look at the word he in that word. Everybody see the word he? Jesus said that I am he. Well, it doesn't show it on this. But the word he is in italics. If you've got it in your Bible, it's in italics. And when you see the word in, the, in the italics in your Bible, it means that the word was added there by the translators to give it a clearer meaning. In most cases, that's very helpful that they've done that. But a lot of times they did it because they felt it would help the issue when really they disguised the real statement that was made. 
And more than one time, Jesus said, I am, and they would add the word he, and you'd see the word he in italics. That's found several places. But look at this one here. I want to point out something to you. They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto him, I am he. Actually, what Jesus said, I am. So when they came out to take him, he said, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed them, stood with them. And when then, as he had said unto them, I am, notice again, the word he is in italics. They went backwards and fell to the ground. In other words, the power of God was manifested when he said, I am. So much to them, they just fell, all fell down. And then verse 7, then answered he them again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And this time, that Jesus just simply gave himself into their hands. Verse 8, Jesus answered, I have told you that I am. And the word he again is in italics. Three times he says, I am. And the word he is added. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. Now, I'm just pointing that out to you here, that the power and the presence of Almighty God was manifested when Jesus simply said, I am. And they all just fell backwards. The power of God just knocked them down. And I never saw that for years until somebody, a friend of mine, pointed that out. And I said, that's very good. And this is very accurate and very much on target. Praise the Lord. Now, I'll move on here because I want to talk to you about that first verse. If you'll go back to that very first one, John uh, 8, 56, I believe it is. I want to show you the verse of scripture here. Um, I can get back to it myself here. That's not the one I want. Let's see here. I want to go to John 6, 35. I think that's the one. All right, I'll get there in a minute. Hang on with me. All right, John 6, 35. Hang on just a minute. All right. Pardon me again. John 14, 6. Pardon me, Father. 14, 6 is the one I want. I'm sorry. John 14, 6. This was a verse that I wanted to point something out to you here. I'll get there. Yeah, 13, 14. Here we go. All right, 14, 6. Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now look at this closely, folks. If you've got your Bible, underline this phrase. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Everybody see that? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Father is Almighty God. You know that. No man cometh unto the Almighty God but by me. I remember when I was a young man and, uh, you know, I, I, I went to Bible school at 17 years old, four years of Bible school. From that time on, Bible and scriptures and, and used to back in those days, you debated things all the time. And we'd go to these all these uh, quartet singing. They had these all-night singing quartet groups. And that's where you found all the Christians. And, of course, we just loved it because we'd get into these discussions, we called them, with these uh, other young people our age, you know. And we'd just argue scripture all the time. We'd be out, they'd be out there singing quartet music inside. We'd be outside in the vestibule there talking scripture. And I just loved that. 
and everything. And I was always talking to these guys that believed in the Trinity doctrine. And so I was always talking to them. Anyhow, Jesus said here, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Another idea that they had back in those days they pushed around was that uh, heaven is like a great big spoked wheel. Heaven is the hub. And every spoke in the wheel from the outside going in, every spoke is a different religion. And it doesn't matter what religion you are, as long as you have some religion and you believe in God. And we're all on the outside headed for heaven on the inside. Everybody with me on that one? And then all of them go to the spoke in the middle. So no matter what religion you are, just as long as you believe something. You know, if you believe this or believe that or believe that, it doesn't matter what you believe and everything like that. You could be a Buddhist. You could be a, you can be a Islam. You can be Taoism. You know, it goes on and on. Shintoism goes on and on and on. All these different religions. It doesn't matter what religion you are, Christian, you know, uh, they're all going to wind up in heaven. This was sort of a universal thing they threw out there to make everybody get along, everybody be happy, and everybody accept everybody else's faith, you know. But that's not what Jesus said. And this was a thing that had caught on in that day and age. And people like to believe, oh, as long as you, you have a religion, you have a faith, you're going to be okay. That's not okay. You've got to come through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to do it. And I'll go a little bit further. You've got to come through Jesus Christ. You can even be, uh, you can be a, a, like believing in uh, God of the Old Testament but you've got to come through Jesus Christ. It's from the New Testament on, it's through Jesus Christ. Everything is through him. And this is what Jesus is saying here in this verse of Scripture. And I read it a while ago, and I told you I would be coming back to it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So everything has to go through Jesus Christ. Nobody can come to the Lord but by the Lord himself. Praise the Lord. And uh, if you look in Romans 8, 9 for just a moment, let me show you something here. Uh, Romans 8, 9. Praise God. Well, where is it? Here we go. Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. This is Paul now talking to the church. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Notice that. If the spirit of God dwell in you. The spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And some, they used to tell us, I used to tell those guys, you got to have the Holy Ghost. Got to have the Holy Ghost. You don't have the Holy Ghost. I'd tell those young guys that. They said, oh, this is the Spirit of Christ. This is not talking about the Holy Ghost. It's talking about the Spirit of Christ. I said, oh, oh, there's two spirits, are there? <laughs> is that what you're saying? In other words, the Spirit of Christ is one spirit. The Holy Ghost is another spirit, right? Well, then they back off because they know good well that's not true, you know. And that is not the case. I can take you over. I don't have time now to do that, but I can take you over into the gospel books and show you where the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is all the same spirit. But the Bible says God is a spirit, not spirits. God is a spirit. And the Bible says by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. So I'm just pointing out to you here that the Holy Spirit, praise the Lord, is, is the Spirit of Christ is the Holy Spirit of the Holy Ghost. The word ghost is the old English word for spirit. Same thing. 
So here this word, the scripture says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if we're going to be saved, we've got to come through Jesus Christ. And he's saying, if you don't have my spirit, you're not mine. You don't belong to me. You're not coming through me. Everybody see that? Look at verse 11. This is even a whole stronger scripture concerning the coming of the Lord. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Quicken means to make alive. So if the Holy Ghost is in us, praise the Lord, then we are assured that we can have, we can be in the rapture of the church. You got to have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost to be in the rapture because the Bible here says it. So we got to have it to be in Christ. We have to have it to be in the rapture. Two very, very strong scriptures right here in this eighth chapter of the book of Romans. So I'm just pointing these out to you here. So you understand here that we all have to come through Jesus Christ to be saved. There is no shortcuts. There's no other way. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is uh, the resurrection chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And uh, if you look at verse 23 with me, 23. Notice here this talks about being in Christ. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 23. And this whole chapter is all about the resurrection. But, if every, but every man in his own order, let me read verse 22 to make that for, for, uh, for as Adam uh, and all... For as in all Adam all die, verse 22 I'm in, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, verse 23. But every man in his own order, how he's made alive now after he's died. Christ, the first fruits, in other words, Jesus was the first of the, all the resurrection. Afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. Praise the Lord. This is talking about his second coming now. now this, is, this is in the epistles. So Paul is saying here, that Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. Afterwards, they that are Christ. And notice here again, we have to belong to Jesus Christ. The same thing that Romans had to say. We belong to him. And if we belong to him, then we, praise the Lord, will be in that first resurrection. And to belong to him, we have to have his spirit. One other verse of scripture along that same line I'll read to you is one found over here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And if verses four, chapter four, verses 13 down through verse 18 is a, is a good, very good rapture passage of scripture here. Here's what it says in the 16th verse. I'll read this one only. This is in 416 of first Thessalonians. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now notice here, in Christ, again, in Christ. And then it goes on to say, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to beat them in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. But notice here, this all in Christ. So we got to be in Christ. So let me just say one thing here. There's no other way to be saved but through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Don't ever anybody tell you, oh, well, this one's trying. He's going to, he's a good guy and he's that and so forth and everything. We got to go through Jesus Christ to be saved. Praise the Lord. And you know what? The wonderful thing about the Lord is that his grace is sufficient for everybody. I don't care what your background is. I don't care where you came from. I don't care who you were. Everything, when you come to Jesus Christ, you lay it all on the altar. And Jesus Christ, his grace, 
Praise the Lord is what saves us, his grace. Uh, we, the Bible says we're saved by grace. What is grace, Brother Byron? Grace is all that Jesus did for us. He came to this world. He, uh, he died on Calvary, shed his blood, uh, took upon himself our sins that we might be saved. All of that is the grace of God. Praise the Lord. He sent our way preachers to preach the gospel that we may hear the word. He, the other day I was praying and thanking God for the day I got saved, the night I got saved years ago. I was 16 years old. I was just thanking God for it. The little church I was saved in up in the panhandle of Florida. And uh, I was just thanking God for it. And I started praying also for the people that prayed with me. That prayed with me to receive the Holy Ghost. People that around me, I, I didn't know who they were. But they loved God. And then I was at the altar praying and, and, you know, and repenting and calling on God and tears running down my face and just repenting like crazy. And they were all around me praying for me. And I guess I'm sure most of them have passed on I mean, my age now. I'm sure they passed on to be with the Lord, you know. But what I am saying to you is that I was praying. I was just thanking God for them and for those people. And I said, God, you know, in eternity, maybe I'll get to see who they were. But I'm just saying this to all of us here today. Thank God for the preachers who preach the gospel. Thank God for the people who help pray us through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And God bless you folks who commit yourself to come down and pray with people who come down to say, God, I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A lot of times people don't know how to pray. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to do it. And so you're there and you say, say, thank you, Jesus. Say, I love you, Lord. I, I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to pray. I, I, got, I got down there just crying and everything, squalling like a baby. And then somebody said, all of a sudden I heard somebody say, say, praise the Lord. I said, I can't say praise the Lord. I, I don't say that. It's not what I say. Anybody understand what I'm saying here? Anybody ever had that experience when you came to the Lord? I, I didn't know how to pray. I said, I don't know how to say Thank you, Lord. I don't know how to say thank you, Jesus. I've never said that before. I don't remember seeing it and everything and everything. And finally, I squeaked it out. I said, thank you, Jesus. And man, I felt something go all over me. And I heard another voice on the other side of me say, say praise the Lord. And again, I said, I, I don't, I'm not used to saying praise the Lord. I don't know if I can say that. I've heard other people say it, but I don't know if I can. And finally, I said, praise the Lord. I was praying in it. And all of a sudden, I felt that spirit again come all over me. And they kept saying, say, thank you, Jesus. Say, praise the Lord. Say, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I know how to say hallelujah, but I don't know if I can say hallelujah. <laughs> like, like the old gamblers, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I You know what I'm talking about? This is an old sinner being saved by the grace of God. But those people were helping me. And God bless you people. God bless you people. I know many of you are, are, are people who help people pray through. And you know what? That's sometimes some of you have a fabulous ministry in that respect. Don't ever get away from it. Don't ever lose that. Because it's, it's an invaluable ministry to be able to come down and get around people and say the right things, you know. Because there's people that try to pray for people and they, do, or they put their hand on me, shake them like that, you know. You know what I mean? Or they get in there and yell in their ear or something like that. And you go, whew, like, you know. All right, not that kind of stuff, but just saying, tell them what to say, how to worship. And when I begin to say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, and thank you, Jesus, and praise the Lord. When I started saying those praise phrases, 
Boy, I started feeling the Holy Ghost coming up, and I kept seeing that, and I got stronger and stronger. The next thing I know, I was standing on my feet, and I had my hands up, and I was feeling the Holy Ghost coming on me, and the next thing I know, I was talking in other tongues, worshiping God, glorifying God, and receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I didn't know what in the world I had gotten into or found, but I knew something about it because I'd seen it as a kid growing up. But I'm just trying to say here today to you folks today, Praise Lord. It's all through Jesus Christ. Everything is through him, and it's not by any other way. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, uh, i got about four minutes left here. Let me just refer you very quickly to this chart here uh, where Jesus said, I am. And uh, I don't know if you can see it all there. Let me shorten it down a little bit. And I won't, I won't go through all these verses of Scripture because we don't have the time and it's not necessary. Most of you know it. But when Jesus came, he identified himself as the I am. Jesus as the I am. And he said here in, 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 in A there, I am the bread of life. Notice that very strongly there. I am the bread of life. And we've got Scriptures there in, that reflect that. Uh, John, uh, let me move my Bible here. John 6, 35, 48, and 51, we've got it down there. I am the bread of life, and he goes on to say here, I am the light of the world. And uh, John 8, 12, I am the door. Here he's talking about the door to the sheep, the sheepfold, and so forth. I am the door. And he's also the door of salvation. The Bible says, if any man knocks, I will open, and he can come into me, and I'll come. No, he says, I stand at the door and knock, and anybody will open that door. I'll come in and sit with him. And him. Another place he said that he was the door. And this is where he says he's the door. John uh, 8 and verses 7 and 9. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Another place he says, I am the great shepherd. But Jesus is our shepherd. We're the sheep. Praise the Lord. He's the shepherd. Uh, he says here in E, number E, there's seven of these that are mentioned here. I've got them in uh, letter form. The resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And then a verse here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is one that we just got through reading in John 14, 6, where he says, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. I'm going to spend a little time talking to you on this one. If you'll go to that verse of scripture where he says, I am the true vine. This is in uh, St. John 15 and verse 1. I want to spend a little time with this one. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman, every branch in me that beareth not fruit. This is verse 2. He taketh away. Everybody see that? Now, bearing fruit is twofold, two ways. One, we have to bear fruit of holiness in our lives. When you get saved, folks, the Spirit of God changes us. There's things you don't do, and there's things you do do. The things you do do is that you go to church. And you worship God and you glorify him. That's what you do do. What you don't do, you don't go to bars and you don't drink and you don't do drugs and, and you don't smoke. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things you just don't do, but there are other things that you do do. So it changes how we live. And it changes also how we dress, how we look. You know, you may wear a little tight women, I'm talking to, a tight miniskirt, you know, flitting around and something like that. But when you get saved, you wear a nice skirt, you know, with a good length down to your knee, below your knees or something. You know, you, if you don't know how to dress, look at some of our sisters in the church that's been 
saved. And they'll look at them. They'll show you how they, they can just show you by the, their very appearance. God bless our women who look holy, you know. And all these things, these acts of holiness. Now, it's not the holiness, acts of holiness that saves you, but it is the acts of holiness that is in obedience to the word of God, that God honors. Praise the Lord. And so the Bible says that uh, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. So we have to be holy in how we look. We have to be holy in what we do. We have to be holy in how we speak. Okay, it's two, twofold. One is the kind of language we use and the kind of language we don't use. We don't curse anymore. We don't say bad things. We don't say nasty words, but we use clean language. Praise God. It cleans us all up. They had a revival over in England and uh, had a bunch of these people get saved. These coal miners get saved. They'd curse at these animals, pulling the coal things out, pulling the, pulling the coal wagon out. Had a big revival. Uh, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, all these people started, these coal miners started getting saved and walking with God, living for the Lord. And they cleaned up their language and they didn't curse no more. And the animals didn't know how to act. The animals couldn't pull the cold wagons anymore. They didn't know what to do because they didn't, they could, they didn't say what they used to say. You know what they did? They turned them out, turned them loose, put them in pasture and got some new animals. And those, past, those animals were blessed by the fact that they had gotten saved. Hallelujah. Everything works good for, with God. Everything. Well, my time is gone. And I've got a lot of good things. I've got some very interesting things to talk to you about in the next few weeks, folks. I don't want you to miss it. And so just plan on being with us in our 10 o'clock Bible study. Let's stand and worship God together.